Welcome to the DSM podcast featuring Pastor David Martin and his third installment of Torch and the Flame. DSM, how y'all doing? Y'all doing all right tonight? You are a lively crowd tonight, and thank you so much. Where are you? There you go. Thank you so much for being a part of DSM tonight. We haven't actually gotten to meet. I think this is the first time we've actually looked at each other together. You're amazing. Thank you for bringing your talent from New York. I love NYC, man. Uh, So there you go. So send our love all the way from Colorado Springs, if you would, to the gang. Y'all are doing amazing work up there. So keep doing what you do. Now, did y'all hear, do you notice, though, how many, what was the percentage of students that actually bring themselves? 80% of their students in their youth group get there besides mom and dad. That is amazing. Although we don't have a subway system. You know what I mean? So they would have to hitchhike. But hey, if you need to hitchhike. Anyway, welcome back to the last week before I get in myself in trouble. Welcome back to DSM. Of course, we want to welcome all of our VIPs. So let's put our hands together for our VIP first-time visitors. Um... Man, we're closing out this series. It's like we just started it, but Torch and the Flame. How many of y'all have been here for all three weeks? Let me see a show of hands. Wow. Everybody else that doesn't love Jesus as much, give them a big hand. No, I'm just kidding. That's amazing. You're like, okay, I feel condemned. Um, To catch everybody up, we started this series because sometimes it's good to hit the reset button, right? And, and, and so sometimes when you come into youth group, if you're new to church, maybe you don't even know why we do what we do. Why do we come in this room? Why do we sing loud songs? Why do we do this thing called D group? Why do we say, hey, it's important to share your faith with your friends? Why? Because what we found out in our first week is Jesus said so. He said, this is the way church should really work. And so what happens is, am I still popping still? Here, uh, I tell you what, let me, let me just not fight with it. Go on and turn this one on. Check, 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 one, two, one, two, one, two. There we go. So what we found is that Jesus is like, look, I am calling you out to do something special. And we learned the first week that Jesus has the torch. He gives it to 11 teenagers and says, go set the world on fire. And they're like, yeah. But he says, before you can take this torch with the flame, you need the flame. Otherwise, you got a torch with no flame. you got a lot of ambition, a lot of excitement, but you need something to give you the power to set this world on fire. you got to understand, this was a group of teenagers 2,000 years ago, right? So he says, before you move, you got to wait. So they go to the upper room, and last week we talked about what that looked like, right? So they're all sitting in this upper room. All of a sudden, there's a sound of a mighty rushing wind. It comes. All of a sudden, there's these flames of fire that appear over everybody's head. And all of a sudden, they begin speaking in all these languages they weren't taught. People down below are trying to figure out what is happening. Why am I hearing people talk in my own language? And then, this is the best they could come up with. They're like, ah, they're just probably drunk. Y'all remember that? Peter comes out, he's like, no, I'm going to tell you exactly what was happening. He said, first off, we're not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. I love that. I love that he points out people don't get drunk at 9 a.m. Talk to me at 2 p.m. It may be a different story. I don't know. But then he begins to explain what has just happened. 
And he walks all these people through understanding what it means why Jesus came and what happened. And that we learned along in that passage that it was us that put Jesus on the cross. It was our sin. And he came, laid himself down as a sacrificial lamb, shed his blood, gave up his life. For what? For you and I. He wanted us to be reconciled with the Father. Why? Because community matters to Jesus. He did not design us to live life alone. And Jesus doesn't want to be alone either. We are not designed to be by ourselves. And all of a sudden, these people's hearts were pierced, right? And they said, what must we do to be saved? They didn't realize. And here's what's so cool. Last week, there were students who realized this is also for the first time in their life. They went, oh my gosh, that's me. I need Jesus. And so last week, DSM students, if you weren't here, we saw students receive Christ in this room. We have brand new brothers and sisters in Christ, man. In addition to that, then we understood that, yes, when you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit, according to Scripture, one of the ways in which you are filled with the Holy Spirit, to have the gifts awakened within you, is to have someone else come into agreement with what, all, what God has already placed within you and lay our hands upon you so that you may be filled, so that you may be released and go with this flame and the torch. Lots of students last week. We were up here. You were lined up. We were praying for you. It was a powerful night of ministry. So that was last week. This week, we're going to look at what happens now. Because here's the thing. When we get saved, when we receive Christ, many times we think that that's all you got to do. Like that's it. Okay, well I got, I got fire insurance so, and so I'm good and I guess I need to start acting like a decent Christian now, whatever that's supposed to be. But you're missing the whole point. You see, part of God's plan for you is to redeem you and bring you back into right fellowship with God, right? But then he's like, man, I want you to be here. I want you to understand what community is supposed to look and feel like. But here's the thing, if you've received Christ and the person next to you has received Christ, you understand you have the same unity of spirit in one another. We are connected by Jesus and his Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? And so that's what allows us to be different. That's what allows a hyper white bald guy to stand on the stage, but then you could be in the same room and we can connect and worship Jesus together. Jesus loves diversity. Everybody say Diversity. Jesus is not into making clones. We like making clones because they remind them of us. But Jesus says, I want you to be unique and I've got a specific plan for you. So don't try to act and be like someone else. You do you. And guess what? DSM is going to be a ministry that is known for welcoming people as they are when they walk through the door. And we love them, we accept them, they become a part of our family, regardless of what the outer layer looks like. Because we love you, and you're allowed to be who God made you to be. So you come in here and you discover the love of Jesus and find out what it means to walk in holiness. But we're not here to make you holy. The Holy Spirit will do that. Cool? Our job is to love you. So here's what happens. All these people get saved. Here's what happens. Oh, this is so good. The believers form a community. All the believers devoted themselves in Acts to the apostles' teaching. So this is a picture of them showing up to DSM. Listening to the word of God being preached, right? Teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. You get the picture? They're coming together as a family. They're just figuring this God thing out right along with everybody else, but they got the spirit within them. And all of the believers 
had a deep sense of awe that came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all of the believers met together in one place, and check this out. They shared everything that they had. This doesn't sound bad. Does this sound like our world, though? Where we just come together and we just sing songs about Jesus and we get to watch our leaders perform miracles. We get healed. We get to eat together. And it's just, man, hey, you need five bucks. It's all I've got, but you've got it. Isn't that a beautiful picture? You see, I think that we mischaracterize and we jack up what church is supposed to be. We think it's just sitting in nice little padded chairs listening to people yell in microphones. But this is just a small part. This is just the beginning. This is the top of the funnel. The goal is to see Christians in biblical community because it looks like heaven. You follow what I'm saying? So all the believers, they met together in one place and they shared everything. They sold their property, their possessions. They shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, they praised God and they enjoyed the goodwill of all the people. And every day, now here's, here's the byproduct to see if it's really working in your life. If you're in a D group... This is how you can know if you're doing it right. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The day that people stop receiving Christ in this room and being added to our number, plugging into biblical community is the day that we have fallen in love with the method of church and we have forgotten what it's all about. That's why you can walk into a church, sing the exact same songs, see the same types of people, and you feel just as cold and dead walking out as you walked in. It's because we have fallen in love with doing church and acting like church people instead of being the church and actually making a difference in our world. You follow? Oh, I love you guys. I love you guys because you know what I'm talking about. Man, someone's about to lose it over there. What was that? Here's the thing. In Acts chapter 2, this is not the first time that we see people sharing with one another, being in communion with one another, uh, and interacting with one another, just open, just beautiful. Actually, if you go to the very first part of the Bible in Genesis, you will see this type of community taking place. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You see, God's design has always been that we would live in perfect community with God and with, with one another. He has never planned for this world to be the way that it is, students. This world is jacked up because we have chosen to become isolated from God and from one another. And now it's about I'm going to use you to get me to where I want to go. And when enough people in the world live this way, that's why it looks the way it does. And that's why you've got the scars on your hearts that you do. It's because people have chosen to go another way apart from God. There is no more sharing. There is no more acceptance. There is no more love. It's about me. It's about how I present myself. And it's about getting what I need to do and getting where I need to go. But it was never God's plan. In Genesis 2, there was two people in this story Adam and, all right, very good, all right, so you got that down. Now, the man and his wife in Genesis 2, they were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now, here's the thing. We get so stuck on the nudity part. We go, dude, they were walking around naked. Like, seriously, was there not a target anywhere to be found where you get some pants, you know? 
But we don't pay much attention to the second part. Everybody say second part. You see, what I see here is besides a couple of naked people, and we can talk about that in February when we do our love and dating series, but here's the thing. This is what true community is supposed to look like. You're like, David, I don't know what kind of youth group you're trying to change us into, but I'm not, no, 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 hear me out. Biblical community should be free from shame. Everybody say free from shame. The problem is that some of you are sitting in this room tonight and you have nothing but shame. You don't feel like you belong here. And you're looking around at others and you're going, I can't be like them. I have so much shame. This is not the way that God has intended biblical community to look like. They have, these people have nothing to hide. They're, they just, they're fully known inside and out. No secrets. Everybody say no secrets. What would it feel like? Think about this for a second. What would it feel like if literally not one of us had a secret in here? Wouldn't that be liberating? No secrets at all. No shame. Fully known, fully transparent. You know what secrets do? They cause us to hide. Secrets, secrets cause us to build walls. Secrets cause us to be able to retreat back or to shape ourselves in a way that distracts you to look over here because I don't want you to see what's here. And that's no way to live because that takes a lot of work and it creates anxiety and it creates depression. And then we start thinking, man, I got so many secrets. I, don't, I can't live my life like this. And then we begin to contemplate things that are unnatural to what God's original plan of destiny is for you. Secrets are killers. God has not designed us to live with secrets. He's got plans in place to be able to keep this community safe in this story. God wanted to protect Adam and Eve, but we know how this goes, right? So God says, listen, y'all can do whatever you want. Keep running around naked, that's fine. You can eat from whatever tree you want in the garden except this one. Now, this is where some of the students already in the room are going, see, that's what I'm talking about. This is my problem with God. He won't let me live my life. I'm a grown person. I'm 13 years old. Right? <laughs> Who are you to tell me how to live my life or God? But here's the thing. Let's just let's ask the question, why in the world did that tree have to be planted? Has anybody ever wondered that? We would not be in this position if the tree weren't planted, right? Here's why. Because God is a God of choice. Everybody say choice. You see, when we make bad choices and we make selfish choices or we do things that we know that aren't right, and then consequences come with those choice, choices, whether it be shame, guilt, getting in trouble, getting restricted, getting arrested, whatever it may be, who's the first person we blame? Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe God did this to me, David. Oh, my gosh. Well, you shouldn't have, like, robbed the bank. You see, we have a choice in here. God has given you a choice. He's like, I'm not going to force you to be in my community, but if you want to be in my community, you got to do it in a way that makes sense. You see, he's given every person in here the power of choice. So when it comes to the tree, the tree's the choice. Everybody say the tree is the choice. So God is not trying to keep Adam and Eve from enjoying life. What he's trying to do, he's trying to keep them from dying. Literally, he's trying to keep them from dying. But you see, our pride gets in the way. We go, who are you to tell me not to eat of that tree? All of a sudden, that's the only tree that I want out of the whole garden. That's how we are. You see, 
The temptation wasn't the tree. It was what it would provide them. You see, they were, they were under the understanding that if they ate of that tree, guess what? They could be like God. And that is your temptation and that is my temptation. You see, the truth is we don't want to hear about the fact that we're sinners. We don't want to hear about the fact that we're less than perfect. We don't want someone else telling us how to live our lives, including me. I hate speed limits. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that when it's, on six, when it's 65 miles per hour on 25 and then it jumps up to 75, I'm mad at 65, but I go, wait till I get to 75, then I can really get going. But when I get to 75, I'm like, mm, I need to go about 80. That's human nature. We don't want people telling us what to do. But you see, God is trying to protect these two people. But they go, no, we wanna, I want to be the shot caller. Here's the thing. we got to look out for one another. Because in biblical community, guys, we do live in a fallen world. We know how this story ends, right? I've got to be able to tell you as your youth pastor, listen, you got to stop hanging out with them hoochies, young men. And you're like, oh, that's an old school word. Yes, it still works. These girls, ladies, I will continue to tell you, just because they own a car doesn't make them qualified. But David, he's a Christian. What does that mean? What does that mean? Anybody calls, I mean, I, this microphone stand up here could be, I'm a Christian. What does that mean? Do they love Jesus more than you? Let's start there. Right? Do they respect your body more than their desires? You see, this is when we begin to tell, are you really a God follower or not? Now, I'm not judging. I'm just simply saying, I'm trying to protect you. Because if you knew how many thousands of tears I've seen in front of my face after a night like tonight where girls and guys are saying, David, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I'm addicted. David, I'm in trouble with this girl's, girl's parents because we've been texting inappropriate photos back and forth and we got busted. Her parents have seen my stuff. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, is that too real? Give me a break. It, let me tell you, this is your world. You're not going to fool me. This is a reality in our lives. And so then I'm going to say, no, God has better for you. This is not his plan. I want to keep you from dying. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in me and we're in biblical community and we should be able to hold one another accountable. But here's the thing. They fall into temptation. They don't want God or anybody else telling them how to live their lives. Here's what happens. Genesis 3, 7. At that moment, their eyes were opened. And then they suddenly felt what? This is where shame comes in. No shame before, now there's shame. And they felt shame at their nakedness. Why? Because they were exposed. You see, secrets make us want to do something. Look at their response. So they what they what they do? What do they do? They hid from the Lord among the trees. I think the reason why there are not students in this room tonight that were here this time last year is because they're hiding. And some of you want to hide because you've got shame in your life. And, and, and you, did you hear the sigh of relief when I said, imagine a world where we have no secrets? That was actually a, a very surprising response to me. To hear so many people go, oh, wouldn't that be great? 
this is not God's design for you. There's a better way. You don't have to live like that. You see, we want to hide. And so the first person we want to hide from is God. Why? Because they sinned, they felt ashamed, and because of it, they took themselves out of perfect community with God. And here's why this matters. I'm telling you, students, the temptations that are going to come into your life, they're going to come in, and you're going to be tempted, and you may give in. And you know me. God is a God of grace. God is a God of the prodigal. Everybody say prodigal. Okay, if you don't know that story, man, I wish I had time to preach it tonight. But man, it's this dude who went out and did everything against his father's wishes. He wants to come back to his father because he's broke, he's tired, he's filthy, he has at the end of his rope. And it says in the story that the father ran out to greet him. The boy couldn't even get to the house. And Jesus, when he's telling the story, he's like, look, this is the picture of how God sees you. If you're filthy, you're at the end of your rope, you're shame-filled, you don't even feel like you belong to be a servant in the house of God, the Father, the Father is going to run towards not this filthy sinner but his son. God loves you, okay? So if you blow it... The cross, you look to the past, we look to the cross. We don't look at our sin anymore, right? When we look to our future and the horizon, we see Jesus there, standing there. He's faithful. So if you mess up, confess it, move on. Here's the thing. Adam and Eve are no longer in perfect community, though. So here's what my question is for you. Because you're going to blow it this year. There are going to be things in your life that you don't think you're going to be tempted with, and you're going to blow it, okay? My question for you is are you going to hide? This is why students don't come back to youth group after a while. And you talk to them and you get the real story. It's not homework. It's not because you have sports schedules. It's because they're hiding, many of them. And they're hiding because they have stuff in their life and they don't really, they can't make their way back into community. Because how would they even begin to share? People would be so disappointed, right? Oh, man, but it's not that way. So my question for you, as we talk about biblical community, living life with one another, can that be possible in 2017? Where we can get back to this Acts chapter 2 picture where we're sharing with one another, we're showing our warts, we're saying, hey, man, I'm not perfect, but you know what, I'm in this journey together. I need some help. I need some prayer. And we surround one another and say, hey, it's cool. Let's get back where we need to go, right? I love you. I want to invest in you. I'm not going to give up on you. If there's anything I'm trying to teach my staff and my team right now are these elements. Because we all blow it. But it doesn't change my love for these people when they mess up or we have misunderstandings, right? We go to one another because we're in biblical community with one another. What would our church look like? What would our youth group look like? So my question is for you tonight. Are you a brown recluse or are you an ant? Let's talk about the brown recluse. Now, what I mean by that is we're going to get crazy practical right now in my last couple of moments with you guys before we do our token ceremony. But, dear Lord, I didn't say deliverance ceremony. (laughs) Brown recluse spiders. Everybody say brown recluse. And I'm only doing that so you put your focus back on me. Brown recluse fact. Let me tell you about brown recluse spiders. Number one, my son is terrified of spiders. Okay? And he, how many people just absolutely freak out at the idea that we're even talking about spiders in church? That's an ungodly thing. Here's some facts about the brown recluse. When it feels threatened, okay, and it feels like it's in danger, 
What it does, it runs and hides. It prefers to go to the dark and hide. Why? So no one can see it. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they felt threatened after they sinned because they were afraid they went and they hid. Now check this out. More brown recluse facts for you. A brown recluse sometimes, if it feels threatened, will actually play dead. A brown recluse. The spider's like, okay, they're not giving up. I'm just going to act like, right, that's it. I'm dead, right? That is so amazing. He's, he's acting like he's dead, but he's not really. He just looks and acts like he's dead. I share this because when you mess up, you're going to find yourself wanting to withdraw from biblical community. And some of you, you're going to want to play dead. Oh, man, I, man, I used to believe in that stuff, but no, not anymore. I'm an agnostic. I'm a cynic. Right? I'm a, I'm a thinker now. I watch three things on YouTube, and I'm totally different now. Right? You, you laugh. I have these conversations with students. Okay? And I love them. But you know what they're doing? They're brown reclusing me. That's what they're doing. They're playing dead. They're acting like they're no longer alive in Christ when I know they're just hiding because they got some stuff in their life they don't want anybody to know about. Can I encourage you to do something? Be an ant. Be an ant instead. And you go, David, what's up with this? Now, I hate ants. I grew up in Texas. Fire ants are truly from the devil, okay? But here's the thing I got to give ants. They know what real community looks like. And the reason why, they're constantly with one another. They're constantly communicating. Each of them has their own role and their own purpose in their community. Each has their own set of gifts and responsibilities in this community of ants. Now, let me tell you, unlike a brown recluse spider that hides in the dark, the ant is getting stuff done. Right? You got to hand it to the ant. They know what they're doing, man. They got a system. My point is this. You have a place in this community, this one here at New Life Church, at DSM, guys. And I'm not just saying this to make you feel good. I know this for a fact. I love you guys. You are loved and you are welcomed here. You're not expected to be perfect. You have a place in this community. And part of my job and part of your leader's job and your D groups is to help you discover what God has designed you to do and to be. You can cut. It's safe to be here. It's safe to be in biblical community here. Here's the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to me and he says, you know what, I can't do much with you because you're not that smart or good looking. I'm just going to make you yell in microphones about Jesus. That's what I'm going to do with you. And I'm like, that's the best thing ever, right? But then there's some of you who are really smart, good looking, have a lot going for you. You have a place in your kingdom, in the kingdom of God. You see, there's different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all, is what scripture says. It is the one and the only spirit who distributes all these gifts. And he alone, everybody say he alone decides which gift each person should have. So stop envying my gift. Stop envying people's gifts on this stage. Stop going, oh, I wish I could sing up there, but all I got is the dumb gift of hospitality, which means I get the empty trash cans for the rest of my life at church, right? No. Walk in your giftedness. He alone decides how you, you were wired, and he knows what gifts he wants to give you because they're gifts, not burdens. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. This makes for harmony among members so that all the members care for each other. Hold on, what? We care for one another? We take care of one another, right? If one part suffers, 
So we're in a room of 250 students, whatever is in here, and if one of you is hurting, that's why you matter to us. Because if we follow scripture, that should bother all of us in here. If we see a student in this room sitting by themselves, that should bother us. Because no one should be alone in DSM. Even if it's just sitting by yourself, that bothers me. I want you to feel like you're really welcomed and loved here. But I can't do it by myself. Guess what? God has created a body of believers in here who have gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if we begin to plug into biblical community and begin to make our D groups a priority because it's a biblical priority, not sports, not hunting. No offense to those who are going hunting. I'm just simply saying we have to make sacrifices because we're family and we sacrifice for family. And so if you see D groups as just an option, maybe you'll bop in, hey, is the hot chicks there? Cool, I'll be there. That. No, 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 no. Biblical community, not meat market community. You see the difference? This makes for harmony. So if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, we all win. Because it's for the kingdom. We're all part of one body with one spirit. All of you together, DSM, are Christ's body. And each of you has a part in it. So don't let the devil make you hide anymore. Don't let the devil convince you that you don't have a place in biblical community because you're not perfect. You are welcome. Welcome to the family. All right. All right. So dear brothers and sisters, here's the thing, though. Don't bow up at your leaders or your friends when they start saying, hey, I see some issues in your life. Because we love you. We're saying get away from that tree. You see Galatians 6.1 says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. So what I want to let you know is real D groups, real biblical community and DSM has to be built on mutual trust and love. Okay. So with that said, 1 Corinthians explains, man, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and the angels and don't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clinging symbol. In other words, you have nothing to say to anybody unless you've earned the right through trust, through consistency, and through love. So don't come up and getting in my face telling me how to live my life if you haven't sat down with me and looked in my face and known my story. You see, that's why D groups is so valuable is because we get to know you. We get to love you. We get to spend time with you. We do life with you. Right? So it's earned. It's not automatic. So here's what I would love to see about DSM. This would be a click-free youth ministry. No more, this is the good kids group. No more, this is the black t-shirt kids group. No more, this is the nerd group. No more, this is the band kids. These are the theater kids. This is the loner kid. No. We have to be a click-free youth group. Otherwise, it, we look like a bunch of phonies and fakes when people come in and see what this God thing's about. When they start, they're like, this looks just like my high school. What's the difference? Everybody's judging this group and that group is judging that group. I don't need that. I don't need to spend my Wednesday night here. I can get that 40 hours a week at school. We need each other and we need to love one another. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us think of, let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love. And good works. You see, real community is about giving people permission to tell you things you don't want to hear. And you go, well, David, I don't like that part. That's the part I don't like. I understand. But can I tell you something? 
I was standing on a stage in front of probably 500 students. I was speaking at a camp, and it was the last night. Now, if you don't know how the last night of camp typically works is when the gospel is given. So, guys, I'm preaching my face off. And I'm at the point, and I'm like, Jesus is on the cross, and he's bleeding. He dies for you. And there's, these, like, these cheerleader-looking girls sitting on the front row. And I noticed one of them started smiling. Who smiles during the gospel when Jesus is still on the cross? That's not the time to laugh. And she looks like someone's told her a joke, the funniest joke ever, and she can't laugh. Y'all ever been in that situation? There's nothing worse than a church laugh, man. When you're trying to keep it in, you're like, do not laugh. That's the look. And I'm like, and if you laugh during the gospel, I can't guarantee your eternal security. Right? But then this microphone... <laughs> There, move it out of the way. Then it was like a virus and it spread down the row. So there's like five or six of these cheerleader-looking girls. They're all like, oh, my. They're trying to keep from laughing. I'm like, what is going on? This is a work of the devil. And I'm mad. And then I'm preaching even harder. I finally get to the gospel. People get saved. Praise Jesus. No glory to me. I walk off stage and I'm back there. And all I, I can't think about the fact that people got saved. All I can think about is why were they laughing? I just happened to look down, and I realized for the last 45 minutes, my zipper was down. Now, when I say it was down, no, 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 no. I'm talking like I must have been wearing a pair of mom jeans that night. That zipper might as well have been that long. Why? It's like for 13 rows back, it's like, oh, he still wears Superman underwear. I say, like that kind of zipper down. Now, here's my thing. I interacted with probably 10 people, the production guy, the sound guy, the camp, everybody. Not one person said, hey, bro, I know this is uncomfortable, but you have got to zip your pants up. You're about to expose yourself to some minors, dude, okay? No one told me. So I zipped up my pants, and I went, oh, my gosh. And people still got saved, man. It's amazing. Why do I share that with you? Because we need people in our lives to let us know when our proverbial zippers are down. It's not something we want to hear. It's embarrassing. But it sure is better when someone says, dude, I love you and this is going to be awkward. But man, right? Do we need people like that in our lives. But we can't hide. We have to allow ourselves to be spoken into. You see, this is the beautiful thing about community. Another thing I would tell you is real community is more about helping each other become great than just staying good. There's a pastor that talks about this, and I love that. But here's the thing. I think sometimes we think D groups is this. So, did you look at porn last week? No, well, just a little bit on Instagram. All right, well, man, try to do better. All right. Hey, did you cut this past week? Oh, no, well, maybe just, okay, we'll try not to cut this coming week, right? And that's fine. I mean, we need to be asking each other these questions. But this is, not, this is not the fullness of life that God came to give. It's not just so you can act good. What about the great things? Okay, it's good keeping you good, but what about the great things that are lying dormant in your life? Don't we have a right to call out greatness in you as well? Because so many of you, you short sell yourself. And you're like, David, I'm not talented. I don't have what it takes. I'm not that smart. I'm not the funniest one. I'm not the most talented, all the rest of stuff. And so you just want to sit in the chair and you're like, God can never use me. But you see, the thing is that God as a youth pastor and your D group leaders, they could see greatness in you. They could see things in you that you can't see in yourself. And I've been doing this long enough that I've gotten good at this. The Lord has equipped me, man. And I can see greatness when I look in your eyes. I can. 
And it would be wrong if I did not call out greatness. I want to tell you, I was a washed-up musician. I have no education. I have not, I really don't have that much going for me. But my friend Kyle, when I started going back to church when I was 32 years old, he said, I think you'd make a good youth pastor. I'm like, dude, smoke another one. I'm not doing that. You are out of your mind. He continued to call out greatness in me. I'd never preached a sermon before. I wouldn't even want to. But yet, he wouldn't let it go. And guys, this has been the best 10 plus years of my life, man. Why? Not because he said, David, have you cussed this past week? He said, no, there's greatness in you. That God has a plan for you. You're not over. You're not done. You haven't blown it like you think you have. You see, see what I'm saying? Can we be a youth group that calls greatness out in one another instead of just judging one another? It's not rhetorical. Lastly, and because i got to get to my thing here, but lastly, this needs to be a youth group that doesn't use filters. So as technology has advanced, right, there's a thousand and one apps out there. Don't put the picture up yet, but there's a thousand and one apps out there. There's one that I came across called You Cam Perfect, okay? And some of you are like, okay, can I get a Wi-Fi signal? I need to download this. But it says it will make you look perfect. And so, dude, you, man, I can make my, so I took a picture of myself just to kind of show you a little idea of what you can do with this particular app. So here's a picture of me on the left, and now look at me on the right. Do you see, see what I'm talking about? It's, it's very subtle, very, very subtle. I know it still looks like me. Here's why I share this with you. Because this, unfortunately, is how you feel like you got to walk into church. You can't be yourself. you got to put hair on your head. I understand that. I understand the temptation. you got to drop about 30 years off of yourself. Do you see? But here's the thing. Which one's me? It's the one on the left, in case you didn't know. Spoiler alert. Here's the thing. What would you rather have? Fake or the real deal? we got to drop the filters. God has not called us to live a life with filters. And some of you feel like you have to put a filter over your life so that you will be loved and accepted, so that you will get likes from us. But I want to let you know something. You don't have to hide. You really don't have to hide, okay? Jesus really loves you. And he wants to be in perfect community with you. And because of that, we get to share his spirit with one another. And because of that, we can hang out with one another in D groups and in community and love one another, cheer one another on, call out our stuff, but we do it in love because we've earned the right. You see, that's my heart for D groups for this ministry. And it's a new idea. It's, you know, we've kind of worked through different versions of it over the last couple of years. But this is a picture where guys and girls come together at 5 o'clock and you eat together Maybe for about 30 minutes you meet together as a group after that and maybe share a, like a big biblical idea or concept or you maybe talk about the message from Wednesday night. But then at like 6 o'clock you break off into guys and girls. Because, you know, ladies, you don't need some boneheaded guy telling you how to live your life, right? So here's the thing. You can open up a little bit more because it's a safe place. D groups are going to be a judgment-free community. Now, don't misunderstand judgment. When someone says, hey, listen, you're sleeping with your girlfriend, not cool, man. You can't do that. You go, who are you to judge? No, 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 no. You see, that's a saying your zipper's down spiritually. 
No pun intended. That was a terrible example. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, you'll, you won't forget that part of the sermon, will you? Parents, if you're listening on podcast, I wasn't trying to be vulgar. I was just trying to tie my illustrations together poorly. Here's the point. Let's pray. <laughs> Real community. You've got to call it, call it out. Here's the reason why. God has a plan for your life. And that plan is for you not to live your life alone. Cool? When you leave out of this room, we have tables set up, correct, Abe? We have tables set up. And you can find out exactly where your group meets, who the name is of your leader. You can come this coming Sunday. We are personally inviting you to come and check it out. You don't have to do anything. You can just eat the food. You can hang out, enjoy the atmosphere. And you don't have to do anything. Just check it. See if God's way of biblical community works. And invest. Listen. And all of a sudden, this big youth group becomes very small. And then you have a group of people that, that you would never hang out with them otherwise. But now you've done community. You really love these people even though they're not really like you. And you wouldn't typically hang out with these type, right? These, all of these things, you're like, but man, I love these people. This is my tribe. This is my family. Congratulations. You have just entered into biblical community. Lifelong relationships. People cheering you on. You're learning. You're growing together in biblical community. Why? Because Acts 17 he gives us, Jesus gives us the power to live, to move, and to be who we are. And who are we, DSM? We are his children. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to just drop the lights a little bit further. This is the end of the series, Torch and the Flame. And what we try to do is we just, we try to commemorate each ending of a series so you don't forget kind of what God has taught you. Because we talked about the importance of sharing Christ with others. We talked about the fact that you can't do this on your, on your own. You need the Holy Spirit within you. And then we learned that we're not meant to do this by ourselves. We need to be in biblical community, which is D groups, okay? For this season in your life, that's biblical community for you. So I'm going to ask you to all to stand up. And as the band, began, just band begins to play, if I can spit that out. I want us to be a family. I love you guys. And you're loved by your leaders. And... We want this to be a place of safety and a place where you're going to grow. And you can make great memories and make great friends, but you can connect with Jesus in a real way. So you don't have to wear the filters here. So let your friends know they don't have to wear filters or masks or be something that they're not. We want them to come just walk through our doors and just see and experience the love of Jesus. And let Jesus do the hard work of changing them and showing them the areas in their lives that they're sinning and they should be, all that. We'll let Jesus do that, okay? Why don't we just work on loving and being an accepting youth group? Y'all down with that, DSM? Can we do that? You see, you, this youth group is going to be what you make it. It's not me yelling in a microphone. What kind of youth group do you want to be a part of? What kind of youth group do you want? Make it that type of youth group. That's it. This is your youth group. So what we're going to do is we make this, these tokens, and these are just little reminders of kind of maybe what God has told you or shared with you and touched you or a truth that you want to remind yourself of. And so we got these cute little stickers designed by our first-year DLA students. So let's put our hands together for them. Well done, DLA students. 
But put this in a place where you can see it every day. Remember to carry the torch. Remember the Holy Spirit lives within you. Remember, get to D groups on Sunday night and be a part of biblical community and see what that's about. And so what we want to do is we dismiss you here as we ask you to leave. Finish up the night however way I'm supposed to say it, Abe. We have tables on the sides of this room. And so what we're going to ask you to do, we're going to have leaders up here as well, I'm assuming, up here on the front of the stages. Before you take one and leave, we want to pray for you. But we just don't want to pray for you just for giggles. When you take one of these, you're saying, you know what? I'm going to recommit to carry the torch of the gospel to my friends. I'm going to also recommit to be free to allow the Holy Spirit. Every day I will ask the Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, fill me so that I may reflect Jesus. And I'm going to remember that biblical community matters to God. And if it matters to God, it matters to me. And so we just want to pray. Take 10 seconds, pray over you. Take this, put it in a place where it's meaningful to remind you. And then we'll see you in our version on Wednesday night of biblical community at Chick-fil-A. Sound good? So as you grab these, just let us pray with you. So go on and begin to filter out. Is that right, Abe? Am I directing it correctly? And then if you want, once you're done with that, come up front and we'll just worship a little bit before we dismiss. So go to the side tables. We're going to pray for you. Take a sticker to recommit the torch and the flame in your lives. So let me ask you a question. How many of you over the last couple of weeks, God has kind of renewed your desire to want to share Christ with your friends? How many of y'all took those little white Bibles that you got? How many of y'all actually gave them out? Let me just see a show of hands. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So how many of y'all still have some sitting at the house? You can't lie about keeping the Bible. You got some sitting at the house, right? Guess what? They will never be read collecting dust in your bedroom, okay? So here's the thing. This isn't to condemn you. This is to challenge you. Because we talked about on our first night that when we've been saying, God, change this city, save this city, save the teenagers, he's like, I would really like to if you would actually do something about it with me. Because God has chosen us to be his ambassadors. Guys, it's our watch. Remember the very first night I said there is a story being written about this youth group. Do you all remember that? The story is either going to go one of two ways. That A, this was the generation, this was the class of 2017, 2018, who took the torch seriously and said enough is enough. I'm going to stop being politically correct. I'm going to stop trying to be cool with my friends because their souls matter than them liking me. Because I'm going to take the Great Commission seriously. And I'm not going to be preachy. I'm not going to shove it down their throat. But I'm going to begin to share and reflect the gospel in my life to my friends. You see, that's not an option for us. We're all called to be that. Take one step. I'm not asking you to stand on your lunch table at lunchtime and yell, have you been washed in the blood of the lamb? I'm not saying do that. All I'm saying is, man, if you've got the word of God that I gave you, just take it and say, God, okay, I know, I've been putting it off. I've been putting it off. Here's the deal. I take, this, I take the word of God that I got a DSM because I want to make a difference. I'm going to go to my friend, as awkward as this is, and I'm just going to say, dude, there's some truth in there that has changed my life. I just want you to read it. Tell me what you think, okay? How hard is that, right? Saying and understanding in the morning, come Holy Spirit, fill me Holy Spirit. I can't do any of this apart from you anyway. 
Lord, maybe some of you, if you were being honest, you honestly just don't care about lost people. And you know what? That's an honest place to start. Maybe your prayer isn't, God, help me. God, maybe it's, God, show me what you see. God, I don't even think about lost people. I don't even think about the fact that people are live, trying to live a life apart from you. I, I, God, I, I'm so focused on my own world and my own stuff that I don't even think about other people in that way. God, would you give me your heart for those that are around me? He always answers that prayer. Watch what happens. You will begin to have a burden for people in your school. And you won't be able to rest and sleep until you go share Jesus with them. But you want to know what? The Holy Spirit is with you. And when you say those words, some will, some won't, but who's next? But here's the thing. How cool would it be for you to sit next to that student next month and go, dude, I led them to Jesus. And now they're in biblical community. David, it really works. And then I'm going to go, yeah, isn't that crazy? Ding, great idea. Someone unplug your phone from the headphone jack. Tonight, you've been challenged to be in biblical community. Some of you are so good at being good Christians by yourself, you're starting to get weird. Okay? You're becoming a weird Christian because you're not hanging out with other people. You're like, I just have my own beliefs and I do what I do and nobody. No, 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 no. Take your weird self and get plugged into some biblical community. You're not above it. The day you die is the day that you need to stop coming to D groups. Okay? When you're 98. Because then you'll be in perfect community with God. But until then, you need to stay in D groups and get accountable and do community together. It's the only way it's going to work. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 1, Acts, all, that's the blueprint for church. So if you want to be a part of something, you want to be a part of a movement, join us because this is where DSM is going. And we are inviting you. For Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these amazing students. Thank you for the talent. Thank you for the, just the resources. Oh, God, may we not use this place for our own comfort. But, Lord, may it be a beacon to this town, Father, that the Holy Spirit is moving in this place, that the Holy Spirit is shattering the chains and breaking down the bondage, and that, Father, students are being set free by the blood of Jesus in this room. God, I declare it over every empty chair that is in here. Father, bring them in here, and where the Son of Man will be lifted up, you will draw all men unto yourself. Father, we don't want to grow a big youth ministry. We want to see a youth ministry that touches lives and saves lives and reappoints destinies. That's the youth group, Father, you have called me to lead. And so, Father, it's impossible apart from you. But God, as far as I am here, Lord, we will lift up the name of Jesus. We will preach the word of God. And Lord, we will love through your love. May this be a place that welcomes sinners and shows them a way, a better way so that they can come back to perfect community with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And DSM, if that's your heart, we all set together. All right, y'all are dismissed. I love you guys.